Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on GroundZero.radio on the Aftermath FM app. For those of you listening afterwards in the archive, welcome to the show. For those of you who don't know about the archive, just type in The Secret Teachings to any radio or podcast player, you'll find the show. There are advertisements placed in those shows because the show is monetized. So if you'd like to get rid of those, you can subscribe to our full archive with montages, my digital books, and more over at www.thesecretteachings.info. We also have a Black Friday Christmas special going on right now on the website for my books and for the subscription. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, you can email me directly at rdgable at yahoo.com or the new email tstradio at protonmail.com. Twitter, tst underscore underscore radio and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. We have a really informative and fun show prepared for you tonight. As most of you know, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, I'm a big fan of hockey, all kinds of hockey, not just the National Hockey League. I've been to ECHL games, AHL games, NHL games. I've been to high school games. I've always been a big fan of hockey. But my original love was basketball. I played basketball in middle school and high school. And it was around 2002, 2003, I started to get into hockey and it was around that time that living in Tampa, St. Pete, Florida, the Tampa Bay Lightning were really, really good. They were a really good hockey team. And because nobody in that area who had lived there, I'm assuming people that had lived there most of their lives, I mean, it's Florida. We lived on the beach. Uh, didn't know a lot about hockey. Hockey wasn't a big thing in St. Pete and Tampa. Uh, wasn't uh, you know a thing that People were accustomed to ice skating. We had something at the mall, you know, a little ice skating rink. But people got really into it when the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2004 won the Stanley Cup. And I remember for weeks and months prior to that, leading up to the playoffs, I remember everybody at school, even people that weren't really big hockey fans, you know, it was a big thing. It was like, you know, a a professional sports team and it's, you know, relatively new to this area and it's, it's a big deal. So, you know, we would play hockey with, you know, little bouncy balls or we have uh, like lacrosse sticks and playing hockey on the basketball court, you know, uh, with some lacrosse sticks and some like, um, I don't know, some dodgeballs or something. You know, we just found anything. A cardboard box would be the goal, you know, whatever. We, we had a lot of fun uh, when I was a kid playing hockey and um, did a lot of street hockey. And I really fell in love with hockey and I started watching hockey and going to hockey games. And I've been, like I said, I've been to everything from ECHL and high school all the way up to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals uh, in Tampa back in 2004. I have seen uh, a lot of hockey. And one thing that always got me about hockey was that, you know, I used to go to some Tampa Bay Buccaneer games and I used to go to some Tampa Bay Rays games and uh, used to... um, not enjoy baseball so much, but I used to go to the games on occasion and the NHL in particular was always a league uh, more so than the NFL, uh, more so than the MLB. At least this is my perspective growing up. 
we're always focused so heavily on the community. And since hockey is an expensive sport to play, even secondhand stuff, the NHL was very adamant and the Tampa Bay Lightning were very adamant um, about making sure that anybody who wanted to try hockey could come and try it. And usually you didn't have to pay very much to at least try it, you know, at least to to get some equipment. Um, they would have equipment giveaways. And so it was always community based and it didn't matter that nobody ever talked about, you know, what your race was or what your ethnicity was or what your gender was like. There were always girls at hockey games I went to. There were always hockey girls or, you know, if we get a little more serious about it, you know, puck bunnies and stuff like that. But, you know, girls liked hockey. There were girls in my, my high school and middle school that liked hockey. There were, you know, there's, it's a, it's a pretty even split. I mean, hockey, it might not seem like a family sport, but it's, it's a very, very family oriented sport. Uh, at least the games I used to go to, especially the ECHL, the lower leagues are super family oriented. And then something changed in the last couple of years. The NHL started doing what the NFL and the NBA and others have done. Uh, they started to change their social expression. Now, I don't necessarily have an issue with what the NHL has been doing the last couple of years, but I have some questions, and I want to speak with a couple of good friends tonight on the show. Here in the first hour, Wes from Conspirifact. A lot of you might know Wes. We have Wes minus a bill tonight, Wes and Bill that host Conspirifact on Aftermath. We'll also be joined in the second hour by my good friend Jack, who is not only a co-host, but he worked in professional sports for a number of years. So he'll be joining us to talk about this. Uh, The big issue is, Wes, if you can call it an issue, the NHL released a demographic data report back in mid-October. And they said that 36.81% of people that work at the NHL are female and uh, 83.6% are white and straight heterosexual or white and then straight and heterosexual, like 93%. So 83% for white, 93% for straight people. And when I read that, I got kind of confused. I'm, I'm not sure why they wanted to break down who they had hired and what their sex was and their preferences and all these things. And then the woman that kind of runs all this, um, this lady, I have a clip of her, we'll probably play here in a little bit. She's the executive vice president, and uh, her name is... Kim Davis, and she said that the 36% of females working in the NHL is very close to the percentage of the population that enjoys hockey. So it seems like naturally the NHL already had the people that they were hiring who knew what they were doing and who enjoyed the sport. It seems like that naturally happened, but they want to go beyond that. So I want to welcome my friend Wes from Fact. He's had me on his show. We talked about hockey on his show before. He's been on this show before also. Uh, to talk about his uh, experience at the Seattle Kraken Stadium up in Washington State. Wes, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you joining us tonight. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for having me on. So what do you make, my friend, of this NHL demographic data report? You're a big NHL fan. Uh, Your team beat my team in the Stanley Cup uh, final, Uh, but I'm going to have you on the show tonight and talk with you anyway. Uh, What do you make (laughs) of this demographic data report? Why does this matter in the NHL? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they just kind of throw out the numbers. They don't really kind of explain it in this uh, article from the athletic. Um, but I think it just kind of reflects how the United States is. majority of people are going to be straight or heterosexual. Majority of people are going to be white. And 
majority of the fans are going to be male that enjoy sports, but it's catching up. There's more and more women that are getting into sports. And cause it, it, you know, how really when it comes to enjoying sports, sex, gender, it doesn't really matter, but it looks like what they're trying to do is trying to find that untapped market, find more fans, which is kind of strange for the NHL because they can't even keep the current fans happy. That's what I was thinking too. I was wondering if this is all just a marketing ploy, this is kind of like a scheme to appeal to quote marginalized groups or to make other people that might not like hockey, uh, watch some games because of some social messages that they're, that they're promoting. But yeah, they can't even keep their own fans, generally speaking, and few and uh, few and far between. Can you find, uh, you know, hockey fans? Most people are NFL fans, NBA fans. I mean, I know a lot of hockey fans, but they're they're not as uh, robust in terms of availability. You can't just go out and find a hockey fan uh, like you can maybe a basketball or football fan. So it, it seems strange they would almost like alienate their core audience to target these other groups. It almost seems counterproductive. Yeah, it does, especially when it's really hard to even watch a hockey game. I, it, before ESPN Plus, it was like pulling teeth trying to get a game. I had to watch Pirate Streams just to watch my team. And uh, even people in Denver and Colorado, they have issues with, there's deals with uh, Comcast and the Colorado Avalanche. They can't get their games. They, they can't get the uh, local network, which is Altitude, which puts on like 95% of the games. Uh, and if there's a game that's on like TNT, for example, I'm a typical Gen Y kind of a guy. I don't have cable. I'm not going to pay $200 a month for something I'm probably not going to watch. So I stream everything, and I it's I, I can't get the national games. It was uh, a miracle I was able to watch the playoffs this year. So when they make it extremely hard and very expensive for fans to watch the games, it's kind of odd that they would then go and say, oh, yeah, we want as many people to enjoy the games as possible. Well, how about you, you know, get the, uh, you know, to quote Jesus, get the, the big plank out of your eye before you start asking for more fans to watch your, your content. Now, that's a fantastic point. You're right. I mean, I find it very difficult as an avid hockey watcher of, of any hockey. It doesn't matter what kind of hockey it is. I'm a fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I'll watch anything. And it is very difficult to find hockey. So you're right. Like they want more people to watch it, but it's not even available for the hardcore fans. So maybe they should make sure yeah. it's available before reaching out to new audiences. Yeah. For, for example, um, my team went and played in, in um, Finland this year. Uh, and uh, that was uh, two games in a row on a Friday and a Saturday. And they were, there were actual regular season games that actually counted on their record. Uh, against uh, the Columbus Blue, uh, pardon me, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I couldn't watch them because it was exclusively only on the NHL Network, which is exclusively on cable. And they said, "Oh, well, you can watch the game 48 hours after it's over on stream on ESPN Plus." And I kind of used a lot of four-letter words and said, "How about you let me watch it now?" And it, it's just, it just seems so. I guess maybe they want more fans to show up at the games, which doesn't seem to be a problem because if a team's doing well, they have a lot of people in the stadium. They've got no problem selling out tickets. So uh, it, it kind of seems like maybe they just, they are trying to win at the uh, public marketing, I suppose, public opinion. They're trying to win in that court. It honestly, it, it honestly seems less genuine than the NFL or the NBA. I think the NFL and the NBA are much more hardcore about this. The NHL, it almost seems like they're 
trying to do something that they maybe don't even believe in as an organization. And it's kind of cheap. Yeah. It's pandering. I, I think that's a, a good word for it. If you look at how they are uh, trying to, they're trying to please a group of people who traditionally wouldn't like hockey, right? It's a very rough sport. And uh, I mean, just trash talk has become a part of it, right? So it's, it's, it's rough, but at the same time, a lot of hockey players are very traditional. They have great values. They, they put family first, but they're rough. Like you watch any interview with, with guys for a hockey team, they're very humble, very kind, very polite. But then when they're on their ice, if you hear like mic'd up, it's nothing but swear words and, and awful things being thrown back and forth because it's a very rough, very violent sport. So it, it seems odd that they would want to have something that's so, uh, dare I say, masculine, something that's, uh, you almost say, it's uh, maybe toxic in a way. I wouldn't say that, though. I think it's, there's there's some healthy show of masculinity there, but there's just this sport that's so rough, so violent, so in your face, which is what makes it so much fun. It is nasty. And then they would try to go and say, oh, it's for everyone. It's all about acceptance. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, the hockey's never been like that. Uh, anyone can play it, but you have to have the right skin for it. You have to be able to take the hits, literally, verbally, you know, figuratively. You have to be able to take the hits and keep on going. And with this, it seems with them trying to market it as being this loving and accepting game, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I, are we going to start? Uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I lost the words at this well, point. Well, by what, but, what's but, next? By skin, obviously, you don't mean color, <laughs> but. I know what you mean. I mean, like a, like a thicker skin. Is what I meant. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's misunderstood by some individuals listening in. But I yeah, don't, I don't uh, want someone to take that clip and then spread it around the internet and you know, conspiracy facts. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, I'll, I'll provide a little more context on that. <laughs> okay. Something that I, I've always been told growing up is grow a thicker skin. Meaning yeah. that you, you need to, you, you shouldn't bleed so easily, and um, be more open-minded. So that, that's what I meant by that. Sorry if I didn't complete my thought. No, I get it. I understand it. I just don't want that to come back on you. But you know, I've, I've been like, I said, you know, been, it will. Oh no, of course, will. It will. It, of course it will. Editing software is a thing. I know very well. It's going to be a slap shot right back at your head. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of hockey, uh, of any kind of hockey. As I said, I've been to, um, I've been to everything. I've been to low league, uh, middle league, high league. I've been to the Stanley cup. I've been to everything. Uh, and you know, there's always just like any sport, you know, there's always like, appreciate the soldiers night. There's like when I went to Idaho steelhead games in Boise, Idaho, uh, their ECHL, I think they're, I think they're still an affiliate of the Dallas uh, stars. They would have like, it was like a meat night or something. They were promoting like local cattle ranchers and stuff like that. It was like more of a local thing. Uh, you have like maybe a pizza night giveaway, you have like a beer night and then they have like appreciation nights and going to all the Tampa Bay lightning games, Wes, they always have uh, the owner of the Lightning very generous, always giving tens of thousands of dollars away every single game to like a teacher who, you know, maybe lost their job or something. And then they started a foundation or, you know, a, a crippled kid who, you know, wanted to give back. And so they give them like 50 grand, 100 grand to help them with their group. And they do that every single um, every single game. And they give away millions of dollars a year. And that's, that's what I always knew hockey as. And it never was about, you know, whether someone had a certain skin color or whether they were quote trans or, so there's always nights for something and there was always giveaways. There's always focus on the community. That's what the NHL and other leagues, yeah. you know, within the NHL, AC, uh, AHL, ECHL, they've always 
been about that. Um, so I saw back in January the ECHL Kalamazoo Wings. They did this night uh, where they had rainbow ice, and it was supposed to be for hockey is for everyone night, uh, and that is like a promotional thing that they did. And it's like I can, I can kind of understand that. I, I I grasp that concept if it's a singular night, but I think they're like test. They tested the waters to see how that would stand. And now the NHL has waded a little bit deeper. Now they have, if you go to the website, if you type in NHL hockey is for everyone, which is trademarked, you find they've got section for gender equality, Hispanic and Latin American heritage, Asian Pacific Islander, celebrating indigenous people heritage, black history. And it's like all these things that were prior to this just encompassed in the game of hockey and community. Now they've separated them all and we're giving special attention to certain groups. And that, to me, is way more discriminatory and, again, very cheap. And it's pandering. Uh, and I think that it's, it's, it's bizarre. And I think that it turns a lot of people who are hockey fans off of the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I get Because you're assuming that, that uh, people in the LGBTQ community don't watch hockey. People are going to watch what they want to watch. And when you start to pander and... And uh, like you had so actually had uh, explained just a moment ago, it, it it comes across as cheap. And um, yeah, I, I know my team, the Avalanche. They have every year they, they pick one day and they make that um, Pride Night, and they recognize gay people, gay fans, and they have Bernie the mascot run out onto the ice with a, a Pride flag with the Avalanche logo on it, and they do one thing. They don't paint the ice. That's a bit of a stretch, I'd say. Because I don't, I don't even know how they do that. I guess they put an extra layer and then they paint it. That's what it looks like. Figure out how to scrape it off afterwards. <laughs> that just sounds way too complicated. Uh, and then that might be confusing because it's going to make it harder to see the lines. But I'll digress on that. So it's fine to do like a one night thing, just to let everyone know, hey, we're thinking about you. We appreciate you. But if it's done in the wrong spirit, it's it's nasty. No, it is. It is nasty. And when I read that the NHL is having this. Uh, trans hockey tournament like i i mean if if even at the tampa bay lightning like i i loved tampa bay lightning uh, as a hockey team i've been fans of them since like 2002 i grew up in tampa and you know if the lightning bug wants to run out with a rainbow flag once a year and they want to do that and they want to have military appreciation night which they have actually so many times they have so many military appreciation nights that actually kind of gets on my nerves to be honest with you because it's it's too often uh that's my opinion but if they want to do that once in a while, like I don't see that, that that that's an issue. If that's an individual team making that decision, if they know in a particular part of the country, like one, like, I mean, maybe up in Colorado, you have more gay people than you do in other places. I mean, th- I get that. But when, yes, when you try to make the whole league, you try to redesign and redefine and rebrand the whole league as like gay or trans and you, and they're having a trans hockey tournament, which is fine. If you want to have a trans league for hockey players, that's great. What's the big deal? But it's almost as if they're trying to make the branding of the NHL this, when not only is that not the brand of hockey, generally speaking, that's not the kind of people who enjoy hockey or play hockey for that matter. Uh, it does a couple of things. One, it is very dangerous if we're talking about biological women who identify as men playing, especially if it's not in a trans tournament, even if it is perhaps, uh, playing against biological men. That's inc- incredibly dangerous. It's dangerous for you know smaller guys to play hockey, uh, especially if they're not as skilled or talented. I mean, I, if I went onto the ice 
and Victor Hedman ran me over, I'd probably be dead, Wes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And well, you, you've met me. You know how tall I am and, and how much I weigh. Like, if I was out there playing, like, that would, it wouldn't go well for some people. <laughs> I'm the size right, of, a, right. of a standard NFL lineman, right? So you get someone my size or maybe a little bit smaller. Average NHL player is about 200 pounds, around six foot, somewhere in that area. Like, they consider Brad Marchand to be small, and he's 5'9. So you get guys out there that are huge and you, you put them up against players that are going to be 110, 115 pounds. You have someone that's, that's 200 to, to 230 pounds. That's a big weight difference. So I would hope that if they're going to promote that kind of play and then put the NHL's approval on it, that they not allow the NHL style of play, that it'd be more like a beer league co-ed kind of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know just down the road for me, there's a, uh, a league that they have it's I guess you call it beer league. It's you know, recreational uh, adult league hockey, and they have guys and girls playing against each other. And uh, with that, it's a no contact or no intentional contact. There's no checking. It's just about working on your fundamentals and having fun. It's recreational. Yes. So if this is going to be a competitive environment, usually competitive allows full contact. That's my worry is that someone's going to get seriously hurt. Yeah, I know you were talking with me about this before the show, and and I said that's one thing the 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 injuries uh, and not recognizing that you know women biologically are smaller and less strong in a in a muscular way uh, in a bone structure way. I mean, women have babies. I can't have a baby. That you got to be pretty strong to do that. So there's a balance there, and there's a there's a coming together of of the two polarities we're talking about: uh, masculine, feminine, male, female, etc. But then, you know, there's another angle to this, too, and it's it's part of that rebranding effort, it almost feels like, where the NHL and this woman, I'll play the clip when we come back from break, uh, Kim Davis, says that although the NHL, based on their demographic data, has uh, hired, basically, without even recognizing it, they've hired the, the proportionate number of women uh, in the league uh, working for different teams as there are in the population who enjoy hockey. And it's about the same as you referenced, you know, the, the population of the country is largely white. So you're going to get largely, you know, white people that are going to be uh, working for the NHL, which is largely, yes, in general, it is, it is a white sport. It's not a Hispanic sport or a black sport, et cetera. But, you know, those people can obviously play. So it's, it's, it's like they're reaching out and this lady says that they can do better and we can make it more progressive. And I, I that, Again, that's that disingenuousness. It's like, why would you try to forcibly hire people based on the color of their skin, based on the way that we perceive them sexually or perceive their gender? To me, that is discrimination. And not only is it discrimination, but it's like if you have a a, a physical man who identifies as a woman beating up an actual biological woman, you call that, you know, fighting MMA or NHL or whatever. Like that, that's incredibly dangerous. And, and at this point where it's like the rapper Tom McDonald said, we're basically at that point, we're celebrating men beating on women and calling it yeah. diversity. And that's, that's just, that's wrong. Um, got about 30 seconds here. Wes from Conspirifact is our guest this evening. My good friend, Jack, he, al- he also worked in professional sports. My good friend, Jack coming up in the next hour. Wes, we're going to take a short break, come back with a montage And we're going to go back into this right here on The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. TheSecretTeachings.info. And where can listeners find your show, Conspirifact? You can find us on Aftermath.media. And uh, we also um, are on anywhere you have an RSS feed. All right. 
and we will post that also in our show description. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Hello out there, we're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, NHL and 32 clubs are working diligently to bring about a new era of inclusion, diversity, and equality in hockey, while also leveraging its global platform and influence to promote positive social change. This is an opportunity for us to tap into talent sources that we haven't historically tapped into. Looking at qualified folks from all over North America that continue to help us grow and build the vibrancy of our game. It has to do not only with identifying those sources of talent, but ensuring that our brand is is perceived and received positively by those talent sources. The Black Girl Hockey Club is a community space in which black women and our friends and our allies come together to enjoy hockey. Means that they feel like from a youth perspective that their community is welcome. It means that the experience that they have in our stadiums is a safe and welcoming one. It means that there is an understanding of the 
kinds of partnerships that we can build to access new sources of relationships and talent. To be an African-American hockey fan, as a woman especially, it can be lonely. First ever Black Hockey History Day. The complete takeover of the NHL. The idea that we need to just fundamentally destroy hockey as we know it. Try and inject as much politics in it as we can. Inject as much lefty ideology as possible into the sport. So we water it down to a degree that it's basically unwatchable. Shouldn't the NHL be focusing on hockey? I love hockey announcements. It's over, it's over, Dave Mishkin. I'll never forget that 2004 when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup for the first time. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. Wes from Conspirifact is with us this evening. My good friend Jack, who worked in professional sports, he'll be with us in the second hour. Earlier this month, the National Hockey League, using hashtags hockey is for everyone and hashtag NHL pride, received a lot of criticism on social media because, well, apparently the NHL said, this is their tweet, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. I don't think anybody at the NHL, anywhere in the NHL, wrote that because they believed it. I think they wrote that because that's a copy and paste job from groups that are pressuring the NHL to do what the NBA or the NFL uh, or any other league, I think the MLB has done some of it too, and that is take this stance of social justice. And it's confusing because, number one, when we look at population numbers and, and statistics, you know, the NHL and, and according to their own demographic data, the NHL is pretty equal in terms of uh, the kinds of people that work there, the kinds of people that play in the league. And most NHL players aren't even uh, Americans anyway. Most of them are from other countries where it's not just Canada, it's all over the world from Russia, you name it. So it's weird that they would try to isolate what percentage of people not only are female and and male, that would be one thing. You know, everybody kind of has an idea of what the male-female ratio is at a business, let's say. You you recognize that. But they would also break it down by how many people working here are straight, how many people working here are heterosexual. And that they broke that percentage down in the demographic report. They also broke down the percentage of employees in marketing, employees in branding, content, identification and what percentage of them were male and female and straight and gay. And they keep just keep breaking it down more and more and more in this report. There's a good article on it from the athletic. Uh, and we also have a clip from the woman that's running it, the executive vice president, uh, Kim Davis, where she says, yeah, the NHL hires, you know, we've hired a bunch of women and that equals what is, you know, statistically in the population of, of, of women who like hockey, but we could do better. We could do better than what's already naturally equal and naturally right. We could go beyond. We could go uh, to infinity, and we could just hire more people because of their sex or gender or because of their skin color, and then we we would be better people is, is basically what it sounds like. And, you know, if you go further than that, you look at how the NHL has had a uh, trans hockey tournament. Uh, fine, you want to have a trans hockey tournament, want to have a, a day of trans recognition. You know, they have military appreciation night and other things like that. No big deal. But if you're talking about hockey of all sports, 
you know, hockey of all, of all sports, hockey is probably the most violent sport, even more so than rugby. And you want to put a biological female, even if she identifies as a man, into a contact sport where I'm, I'm six foot, maybe almost six foot one. I'm like 165, 170. Uh, if I get hit by a, a moderate NHL hockey player or even a minor league player, I, I, I could potentially, you know, I've seen professional athletes break their sternum. Uh, you know, people get hit with a puck and break their ankle. I mean, physically, Wes, Wes is our guest this evening from Conspiracy Effect. Physically, I just think I've been hit by a puck at relatively high speed, nothing like, um, you know, 95 miles an hour. And it left a really bad bruise. I can't imagine just a puck, let alone a, a you know, a, a check into the board of a, of a biological female woman who, you know, more fragile than a physical biological male. And you take a puck at 95 miles an hour, it, it could literally shatter your bones in your leg or your arm. Like this is dangerous. This isn't about social justice and feelings. This is about reality. This could be very dangerous if they start merging, you know, trans hockey with, with what we would otherwise call maybe just regular hockey, if that makes sense. So wanted to bring Wes on the show tonight. He's a big hockey fan. Wes, uh, what do you think of all this? Yeah, I think you have a point, especially if they're going to have NHL level players playing in this tournament. Now, if it's just regular people who I'm not sure if you've watched regular people play hockey, but it's not nearly as entertaining as NHL. doesn't, <laughs> very true <laughs> it's violent. so if it's just regular people kind of like struggling to score and just kind of skating around going like five miles per hour I, I i think it would be okay as long as the rules are that there's no contact whatsoever and they have rules around it uh but if they're allowing full contact nhl style hits i i think you're uh you're correct in your assessment that that could be very very dangerous um i'm more worried about just checking in general I mean, there was a lot of injuries that happened in the uh, NHL playoffs this last year. Yeah, there were. Sam Gerrard. You talk about breaking a, a sternum. Sam Gerrard just got, just a, wasn't really that hard of a check into the boards, and his sternum broke. And um, we had, uh, it was a broken thumb. The Avalanche player uh, had a broken thumb in the uh, series against um, Edmonton. So there's, and that, again, that was another check into the boards. So, I mean, there's players that have died just playing division one hockey and that's not nearly as, as violent as the NHL level. So naturally it's going to be a violent sport, but I think it really comes down to who's playing against whom and what style are they going to play? That That's, I think if they had clarified it a little bit more, maybe people would have been a little bit more understanding of it. But when they just said, we're going to allow anyone to play against anyone, it, it raised a lot of red flags for people. Well, they've had a, a, they announced the hockeynews.com announced that team trans, which is the world's first transgender hockey team, all transgender hockey team, uh, did feature some professional hockey players, uh, Jessica Platt. I've heard of her before uh, and Harrison Brown. So there were professionals that did play in this uh, trans hockey tournament. I'm not, I'm not saying that these two individuals were, were violent hockey players, but I'm saying they have had professionals that were playing and they did have professionals playing in this uh, trans uh, tournament. They called it the all trans draft tournament took place um, uh, hosted by team trans in Madison, Wisconsin. And they said the whole arena was buzzing with trans joy and that uh, NHL fans. I read uh, one of these articles. It says something about NHL showcases, transgender and non-binary hockey tournament. 
and uh, fans respond. There were some articles that were like, fans love it. They love the trans hockey. And I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know if they dislike the trans hockey, but I, I don't know why it, it matters if they're trans or if they're just, you know, they're not trans. I, it's just hockey. Like, I, I don't see why we have to focus on what their sexuality is or what their gender is or any of that other stuff. Like, at its base core, I've never walked into a hockey arena, Wes, and there was a sign that said no blacks allowed or blacks have to sit in the back of the stadium. There's always just been a diverse audience of people. Uh, I'm imagining there's there's been some gay people there at one point or another at a game I've went to. And we just enjoy hockey. And I think that yeah. that should be what the focus is. Yeah, it should be. And um, your comment there about like the fans love trans hockey. I don't think the fans even care. Like you said, I think that they just enjoy the hockey game. Yes. Uh, as long as it's entertaining, as long as there is a, a level of skill that's being displayed, people are going to enjoy it. And people always tend to gravitate towards skills, whether it be sports or it be like esports, gaming. People always want to see someone else with a higher level of skill show that skill off. And that's what makes it entertaining. That's the whole point of sports entertainment is that you want to see high level skill that you can't do on your own be showed off. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I'm done with that one. <laughs> no. Well, I want to play you this clip. This is the executive vice president, Kim Davis, uh, from the NHL. And this is from a few weeks ago where she's talking about the data. And she she outright says, I mean, there's just as many females that we have hired statistically. It's about the same as the number of people that are interested in hockey. But we, we could we could still do better. So I'm going to play this clip for you. Uh, and then we have a few other clips here, and we'll continue the conversation. Um, it says that we are where we expected to be, but now we have the facts to back it up. Um, I th- and, and where they expected to be, she's talking about the number of different types of people they've hired, and they've not officially been hiring people based on gender or sex. They've just been hiring people who are interested in the job and who are good at their job. And they got there by not focusing on social justice issues, but... She says we can we can go beyond that. We we have the data to back it up now. I think the one area that we are um, are feeling positive about is that 38% of our workforce are women. Um, we've done a lot of work to improve in that area, uh, and it's very consistent with our current female fan base of 40%. And so that's a great benchmark. Um, having said that, we know we have work to do with women of color, and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the, the thing that you should take away from the workforce um, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. So that, me, that, that to me, Wes, tells me that it's about a political idea. She says it's a progressive outlook. So then it has nothing to do with hockey. It doesn't even have anything to do with trans people, for that matter, or black women. It just has to do with taking a political stance. Yeah, perception. They're, they're trying to win in the uh, court of public opinion at this point. Yes, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, here's another clip of her. She says talent sources. I think economic sources. I, I don't think they're tapping into talent sources. I think they're tapping into 
or trying to tap into new markets. This is an opportunity for us to tap into talent sources that we haven't historically tapped into. Looking at qualified folks from all over North America that continue to help us grow and build the vibrancy of our game. It has to do not only with identifying those sources of talent, but ensuring that our brand is is perceived and received positively by those talent sources. And that really is the work. So that's exactly what you just said, Wes, making sure that our brand is perceived a certain way by well, what she calls talent sources. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but if they're talking about talent, then that's who should be playing in the game. And that's who should be along with, if you know, uh, interest in the sport, that's who should be working in, in the league. So like they already, they're, they're already a diverse uh, group of teams, a, a diverse league, and they're already focused on talent and skill. So what, why the hoobla? It, I mean, I can ask that question over and over and over again. I mean, it's a rhetorical question to you, my friend, but it doesn't make any sense. And they just keep they keep using these these talking points and these these um, these buzzwords. Like she talks about basically having safe stadiums so people who don't normally like hockey would come to the hockey game and feel safe. What it also suggests is that there is integration among those seven dimensions, which is why frameworks and processes and systems are an important element of change. You can't go and hire people unless those folks feel safe and comfortable, as you said. But being comfortable means that they feel like from a youth perspective that their community is welcome. It means that the experience that they have in our stadiums is a safe and welcoming one. It means that there is an understanding of the kinds of partnerships that we can build to access new sources of relationships and talent. So every one of those dimensions is interconnected and it's the entire system that will help us effectuate change. So two things, Wes. One, that sounds like something from the World Economic Forum. And two, she's basically saying that, I mean, it's the implication that, you know, black people, for example, don't feel comfortable going to a hockey game. I mean, what a presumptuous and offensive thing. I've been to so many hockey games in my life and the crowd is always diverse. Like, who is this woman? She's got dark skin herself to tell other black people, you don't feel safe going to hockey games. We need to make it make you feel safer. How, how do you make someone of a certain race feel safer at a at a at a sporting event where the the purpose of the event is to watch the sport this is like marxism is what it sounds like to me makes yeah. no sense well it sounds like they want to they want to soften things up and like i said earlier you know uh, basically grow, like the term grow thicker skin be better at accepting or at least at, at taking chirps as they call it the hockey and be better at if someone's going to talk trash to you well then talk trash right back and, uh, and that's me. And they had a big scandal. Nazem Kadri, I, I drew a blank on his name earlier. I was trying to remember it. Nazem Kadri was that player for the Avalanche that had broken his thumb for that check into the boards. And just the previous season before, previous series before, when the Avalanche had played against the Blues in the playoffs, Kadri had been involved in a controversial collision with the goaltender Jordan Bennington. And he received a lot of racist comments and the personal messages that he had shared on social media and his way of handling it was he scored a hat trick in the next game and basically put it right back in the fans faces and said, Oh, you're going to talk trash about me. Well, guess what? I'm going to show off my skill. I'm going to rise above your BS and I'm going to be a better player for it. 
Yes. And that's the kind of attitude I feel like that they should have is like, oh, you think that the NHL is racist? Well, we're going to rise above that. But in this case, what they're doing is they're, they're saying, oh, well, we're just going to pander to everyone and make everyone think that we don't have a race problem. When there, there is. There's been a lot of hockey players that have stepped forward and said that they've had to deal with racist issues on, on the team or just in general from fans. And so the best way to handle it is to rise above it, to, to you know, learn from those, those issues and then be an outstanding citizen or an outstanding player and, and overcome that. But it seems like they don't want to have to overcome it. They want to go through the back door and just try to, to you, you become the a problem. You become a victim. It, it, it becomes about victimhood then. Yes. Yeah, they want they want basically want an umbrella to protect the victims when they should say, "Look, you just got to learn how to overcome it, and it's going to weaken things in the future. It's it's going to make it uh, just it's going to make things worse. It, it always does. Whenever you try to encourage victimhood, things always go downhill. And I think too, Wes, because statistically, the U.S. population is about. You know, this is debatable statistically, but it's anywhere between like 62 to 72 percent white. It's it's declined at at, at, uh, at a pretty steep rate because of a lot of different reasons. Uh, but, you know, statistically, about three quarters of the country is white. So regardless of where you go, whether it's government or a sporting event, you know, most of the people there, unless you're in a heavily you know non-white area, are, are going to be white because that is three out of four people in the country are white. Uh, in the same way, if I go to heavily black cities like Atlanta, I'm probably going. I, in fact, I know I'm a minority in Atlanta. I'm a, I'm a minority here in Tucson. Uh, Hispanics are much more populous here than than white people. Um, none of that matters to me. But when I start thinking about it, I, I think, you know, the last time I went to Amelie Arena to see a lightning game, you know, it's always just if you walk in, there's just there's there's lightning bolts and, um, you know, the old pictures of former players and you know, the Stanley cup photographs and, you know, it's just, it's all hockey and it's all like, you know, they have the community focus and all that and who's doing what in the community and all this. And I think if I walked in and all that is, this is just me thinking if all that's replaced with like, there's a banner for trans people, a banner for black people, a banner for Hispanic people. I mean, I don't, I don't feel comfortable in that environment. What makes me feel comfortable is everybody's welcome. Let's watch hockey. If you're going to focus on certain groups, there's always going to be another victim group or another group that's like, well, I'm a, I'm black, but I'm also trans and I'm also Jewish. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a crippled person who identifies as non-binary and I get more privileges than this other person over here. It becomes this like race to the bottom. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's, uh, you know, China has the social credit score with the, with the United States. It's like, we have the victim credit score. Um, <laughs> yes. How often have you been victimized? And, uh, the, the more victimhoods you can claim, the more points you get. And therefore the, you win that way. I guess that's what they want to do is they want to win by losing or, or win by, by being oppressed or which drives being as rare as possible, which drives everything downward as opposed to what you're saying. And your example of this one player coming out and, getting a hat trick after that type of um, hatred or vitriol. And again, it, you know, it, it might be a, a racial thing uh, that someone has to deal with. It might be based on race, but you know, whether it's in the locker room or it's on the ice or it's from the fans, like hockey fans and hockey players talk to each other and exchange, you know, wording as you know, which is very <laughs> pretty aggressive and pretty, you know, vile and violent. 
And uh, I mean, you probably find that as much in the NFL. I just never been to really a lot of NFL games, but you find that regardless of what the person's skin color is, you know, people yell and scream obscenities at, at that person regardless. So I don't, it doesn't even, I don't think it even has to do with racism per se. It has to do with people that are, maybe they're drunk or people that, that are just really excited to be at the game or people that are really, really rooting for their team. And they call the other players a bunch of names. Like that's just something that happens naturally. And I don't think it is a bias in one particular direction or another. What, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think the NHL, they're very aware that they have an image problem. So I, I mean, look at like old movies, like Slapshot, for example, lots of, of homophobic slurs being thrown around in that movie. Lots of violence, lots of gore. And you look at the demographic of the players, and a majority of the players come from Canada. And we're all these pasty white guys. And then it's becoming more and more of a thing for your game players to come over. And the majority of people in Europe, pasty white people. And so when you look at the players that are on the bench, you'll see maybe one or two black guys. Nazem Kadri is a Muslim player from Lebanon that moved over as a kid into Canada, brought up in the Toronto area. So you got very, very few people of color that are playing hockey. So the NHL looks at their player base and they go, oh, it looks like we don't like brown people. It looks like we don't like black people. It looks like we only prefer white people. When the truth is, is that the majority of the players that have the highest level of skill just happen to be white. And so they're being compared to the NFL, for example, which has a very good mix of, of people of different backgrounds. Now, nationality-wise, majority of NFL players all come from right here in the United States. So uh, so they, they're able to, to show off their diversity, whereas the NHL, they really can't. So they're, they're kind of stuck in this position where, well, we've got to appear like we care because if people just look at the skin color and judge us based on that, we don't look like we care. No, so, I, I get that. That oh, Go yeah. ahead, go ahead. But it's not, I'm not saying what they're doing is okay. I'm just saying it's probably where they're coming from, but I think they're handling it in the wrong way. That's a good perspective. That's why I wanted to get you on the show tonight. And, uh, and I actually looked up the data, the statistics, because I talked to Charlie Robinson, who's also worked in professional sports. And I think he still does to some extent. And we were talking about uh, how the NFL is, if you break statistically down, uh, 71% of the NFL are, quote, people of color or black people. That's almost three of four players are black. There's no commentary about the NFL not being white enough. There's no commentary about the NFL not being Asian enough. There's no commentary about the NFL not being Hispanic enough. Three of four players are black. Coaches, I mean, talk about coaches, 50, I think it's like 51 to 11. I think, I don't know exactly what the breakdown was, but like head coaches and secondary coaches. It was like 51 to 11, 51 white, 11 black coaches. That's actually a higher percentage than the black population of the U.S., which is about 13%. If you double those numbers, it's 102 to 22. It's about 22%. That's a much higher number. That's double almost the number of, of black people statistically in the country. So there really isn't a racial issue in any of these leagues. I mean, and if, and if there is a racial issue, then I guess the NFL has a racial issue. They don't let enough white people play, which isn't you know even a thing. You can, you can play the sport if you're good and if you make money and if you're talented. I mean, look at the NBA. I wanted to play in the in the NBA at one point when I was when I was younger. Um, I was pretty good at basketball. Don't think I'd have made it there. But the NBA is actually more black than the NFL is. They're like seventy three point two percent. It's about three out of four too. They're sixteen percent white. I don't want to break things down like that, but that's how they break it down. And if that's the case, then where are the people telling 
you know, telling the the public that there aren't enough white people in the league. I, I just don't get it. Why, as a as a person with lighter skin, you have to be treated as if you're this terrible person and and you discriminate against others and you're racist. It's just all these horrible, implicating, uh, discriminatory things that make me feel really bad. And I don't want other people to feel this way. Uh, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be put into into a position because of my skin color that I'm looked at that way. So I get when people are discriminated against. I'm discriminated against by this simple fact. But again, this yeah. is sports, and we should focus on sports and not how many black coaches we have. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I, I can feel with you on that one. Uh, someone that's always been taller than everybody else my entire life, I just get treated differently. Yes, and yes. so w- what I kind of focus in on is that I can control me and what I do and what I say. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to always focus on being the best person that I can. And if someone wants to hate me because they don't like how tall I am, they don't like that I'm six, seven, or they don't like my waistline. They think I'm too fat or they don't like the color of my skin. They think that because I'm white, I'm privileged. I don't care. I'll just, like I said before, be a better person. You know, uh, use that the same stupid phrase, grow a thicker skin, some get thicker better skin. At, at, at dealing with, with words that come at me. And, and moving forward and continuing to be a better person. Yeah, it sucks at times, but I, I feel like that's what we all need to do as human beings is work on ourselves, work on that personal development to become a better person so that we can make the world a better place. Totally agreed, Wes. I really appreciate you coming to the show tonight. Wes of Conspirifact usually has Bill with him. Bill couldn't join us tonight. That's totally fine. Conspirifact, where can listeners find it? They can find us on aftermath.media. And uh, if you want to catch us for free, we are we post on a Spreaker every week. Everything's about a week late there, but that is an RSS feed. And so you can catch us anywhere that you get your RSS feeds. All right. Excellent. When we come back from break, I want to play an old NHL. It's a couple of years old, an old NHL ad, which I think summarizes all of this much better than focusing on people's skin color or sexual identity. It's a, an advertisement, uh, basically the NHL brand and what the brand is, which teaches people there's winners and there's losers. And sometimes you're a loser and that means that you need to get better. And then next time you'll win, which is kind of what Wes is, is telling us on the show tonight. Again, I really appreciate it, Wes. You have a good night. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Bye-bye. Wes of Conspirifact, really good guy. Wes and Bill, check out their show, Conspirifact. I've been on there a few times. They've been on here once. Try to get them back on more often. I really, really enjoy talking to them. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to The Secret Teachings tonight. A whole other hour coming up right after this. My good friend Jack, who worked in professional sports, see what his take is on all of this and play some more clips when we come back from break. I also have that uh, clip from the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, where he really broke down the media and told them to stop asking these racist questions. Uh, it's a really, really good clip. We'll play that when we come back. www.thesecretteachings.info. More after this. Don't go anywhere. Listening to the Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. 
Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, NHL and its 32 clubs are working diligently to bring about a new era of inclusion, diversity, and equality in hockey, while also leveraging its global platform and influence to promote positive social change. This is an opportunity for us to tap into talent sources that we haven't historically tapped into. Looking at qualified folks from all over North America that continue to help us grow and build the vibrancy of our game. It has to do not only with identifying those sources of talent, but ensuring that our brand is is perceived and received positively by those talent sources. The Black Girl Hockey Club is a community space in which black women and our friends and our allies come together to enjoy hockey. It means that they feel like from a youth perspective that their community is welcome. It means that the experience that they have in our stadiums is a safe and welcoming one. It means that there is an understanding of the kinds of partnerships that we can build to access new sources of relationships and talent. To be an African-American hockey fan, as a woman especially, it can be lonely. First ever Black Hockey History Day. The complete takeover of the NHL. The idea that we need to just fundamentally destroy hockey as we know it. Try and inject as much politics in it as we can, inject as much lefty ideology as possible into the sport, so we water it down to a degree that it's basically unwatchable. Shouldn't the NHL be focusing on hockey? Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Show. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Back in January of this year, the ECHL, that's two leagues under the National Hockey League, a team called the Kalamazoo Wings 
for Hockey is for Everyone Night painted their ice with a rainbow. And what's the big deal if they paint the ice like a rainbow or wrap their sticks with rainbow tape or have rainbow letters and numbers sewn into their jerseys? I don't care if they paint the ice. I don't care if they have some rainbow tape on occasion. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I've been to a lot of NHL games, and one thing that actually gets on my nerves is how almost every night is military appreciation night. Uh, I kind of get sick and tired of that. So when I'm addressing this issue tonight, if you haven't seen the show promo, I decided to call the show NHLGBTQIA+. Because the NHL, not just the ECHL, but the NHL and essentially all of the other orbiting planets around the NHL and the subsequent lower leagues have apparently, I'm not exactly sure what's happening, that's why we're doing the show tonight, but apparently they've fallen victim to social mob influence. I remember a few years ago, I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, when all that Colin Kaepernick stuff was going down in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Lightning said, if anybody puts their fist in the air and refuses to stand for the pledge, American or Canadian, and the NHL was pretty adamant about this, uh, you're going to be suspended and potentially fined. And the Tampa Bay Lightning actually did suspend a guy because he refused to participate in the national anthem. So this is strange how the NHL has shifted gears so quickly. Now, originally they did it they did this. They said, you know, we're not going to participate in this Colin Kaepernick, take a knee, put your fist in the ear stuff because it's really bad publicity for a league, particularly the NHL, that already has a publicity issue and already doesn't have the same kind of income stream. I mean, yeah, tens, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, but nothing like the NFL or the NBA and uh, a league that already struggles to even, as we talked about earlier with our guest Wes from Conspirafact, struggles to even get games televised to their already rabid fan bases. Like, I'm an NHL hockey fan in general. I'm a hockey fan outside of the NHL, and it's really hard to watch games sometimes. So why they've changed so quickly from don't you dare put your fist in the air, don't you dare kneel for the national anthem to let's paint the ice rainbow for one night and then slowly see how people take that. And then we're going to have a trans hockey tournament. And then the NHL conducts earlier this year, and they just released this a few weeks ago, mid-October, what they call a demographic data workforce report where they felt the need to break down everything from I'm guessing people on the front line to the back office, everything from branding to marketing to uh, everything in between based on whether you're Asian, black, Hispanic, Latino, heterosexual, uh, homosexual, white, female, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they broke it all down and it's all broken down. We played the clip from the executive vice president of the NHL who deals with this stuff. Kim Davis, where she says, yeah, the amount of people that are women in the NHL that are employed are the same statistic. Essentially, it's give or take a few percentage points of the women in the world that enjoy hockey. So 
they've already achieved what we might loosely call equality because they've allowed the free market of let's hire people who are talented and people who want these jobs will come get these jobs. They've already achieved that. Now they want to go further. Now they want to focus on trans and gay. And if you go to the NHL website, hockey is for everyone. You have black history, pride, Asian Pacific Islander, Hispanic Latin American heritage, indigenous people heritage, gender equality, disabled hockey. I mean, these were always things like there have been black players in the, in, the, in the NHL for a long time, but, you know, hockey is not really a, a black person sport, but you can play it just like basketball and the NBA is not really a white person sport. White people make up about 16.8% of the entire league, but white people still play. Nobody is wondering why the NBA isn't whiter. Nobody's wondering why the NFL, which is about the same percentage of black to white, isn't more white. But we're wondering why the NHL isn't more black. It just that's it's just you know communities enjoy certain types of things like uh, you know Asian communities, Hispanic communities. Like it's it's not racist or it's not uh, a phobia or anti or uh, negative stereotyping uh, to suggest uh, you know certain things that are culturally appropriate. What I think is wrong, as we discussed earlier, and then we have, we have uh, here in this hour my good friend Jack joining us on the broadcast uh, for the rest, again, of this entire uh, this segment, the next segment. What's weird is that they shifted so quickly from don't you dare do that to let's make sure we have an identifying um, symbol or totem for every group. And once you start to do this, then it's like, well, we were focused on women, but then as you heard in those clips I played earlier, they're specifically looking at black women. I find that that weird. Like, So I guess there are a higher percentage of black men who like hockey. So at that point, it doesn't become about black or white. It becomes about how many black women. We need more black women to watch hockey. I mean, that's isn't that kind of discriminatory? Isn't that kind of like racist? Like we want black people. We're going to force black women to watch hockey. Well, um, a lot of women don't like hockey um, and a lot of black women in particular, black women make up about 78% of the population of the United States. So the fact that you have so many women in general watching hockey, you should be happy about that. Uh, you're not going to convince people that don't like the sport to like the sport. I mean, maybe an outreach, which is what the NHL has always done, reaching out to the community, helping people get skates or hockey sticks or pads, etc. Whether, um, cheaply secondhand or letting you know people try hockey and giving them free equipment for a day uh most teams do that they're always reaching out to the community and and they've always said hockey is for everybody always it was never like hockey's for black people and and people with different genders and and people that are gay and people that change their gender on a daily basis and it's for pacific islanders and it's for indigenous people and it's for the it's 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 everybody what is so hard to understand about everybody see what I think is, and I argued this in my new book, Liberty Shrugged, when you start to promote and advocate for special identities, special symbols, special totems for certain groups, and you suggest that 
the word mankind is sexist because it's not womankind. Well, you must be an anti-linguist. You must be an anti-etymologist. What you're proposing by saying that is that women are not people. Because mankind literally means all people, men and women. I mean, everybody. It doesn't matter. You're a human, so you are part of mankind. To suggest that women aren't included in mankind, that's incredibly discriminatory because you're saying women are not people. In, in other words, there is an issue with misogyny. Those are the misogynists. There is an issue with racism. Those are the racists. The ones that more often than not are telling you that you need to shut up and listen. You need to do what they tell you to do. You need to wear the ribbon like Seinfeld. Why won't you wear the ribbon? Because I want to watch a hockey game. That's why I won't wear the ribbon. And I don't care if three or four players on the ice are gay. I don't care if they have a gay orgy in the locker room afterwards. I just don't want to know about it. I don't want to know if they go have sex with random women after the game. I don't care. What I want to see is talent. I want to see people get hit. I want to see good, clean hockey. And I want to see some goals or maybe some real good goaltending. I just enjoy the sport. I don't need to know everybody's gender and sexuality and how many social credit points they have based on a Crayola, Crayola color will of skin color or sex or whatever. I, 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 we, we shouldn't be making this about victimhood. We shouldn't be making this about, you know, racial and sexual and gender identity. This is, this is ludicrous. Joining me to talk about this subject tonight is my good friend Jack. His website, messengerof.info. Jack also worked in professional sports, and Jack is joining us right now to finish uh, the second hour of tonight's show. We had Wes from Conspirifact on. My good friend Jack. Jack, welcome to the show. I appreciate you joining us tonight, my friend. Hi, Ryan. And don't forget, you can refer to me by my trans name, which is Jackie or It. That's You know what? That's right. That is, uh, that's funny, but that's also not a joke. We've said that for years now. Your alternative... Uh, what is your female yeah. version is Jackie. So yes, we have Jack and yes. Jackie here. Yes. So Jackie, uh, Jack, Jackie, whatever you're identifying with at the moment, what, what do you make of this? You might have a different take than me or Wes. I really don't know. I called you up last minute. Uh, you worked in professional sports. Uh, I know you sold tickets. I don't know what else you did, but I mean, did you target certain communities and say, Hey, you, you're a black woman. You need to buy this ticket and watch this game. It just seems very weird to me what the NHL is doing. They seem to be the last major league that is falling victim to this. I'd agree. I think uh, the two of you kind of hit on all the main points, but I might be able to articulate it in a different vein, um, kind of summarizing in a different way what you've already said. Uh, and then and then actually we can talk a little bit about my time um, in professional sports, which was many years, and, and what we used to do back then. Of course, it was a different era. But I would say in a nutshell, make no mistake, make, make no mistake about it here. And it, it and the NHL, I, I think you just articulated very well. We, we know that um, they're pushing an agenda and they probably are the last major uh, league, professional sports league to jump on the bandwagon. Obviously, the front runner is the NFL, 
probably followed, I don't follow NBA, but NBA, Major League Baseball, probably, you know, two and two A and two B. And I think now hockey is jumping on the bandwagon, but make no mistake about it. This is pushing an agenda, um, professional sports leagues. And even if it's not major sports, like you were referred to the East Coast Hockey League, the ECHL um, or the AHL, the American Hockey League, um, but more on a, on a major league scale, these are vehicles to manipulate society via mind control. Once again, it's about mind control. It's about directing society in a certain way. The one gentleman on the montage, whoever that was, said hockey is to promote positive social change. Well, first of all, what's your definition of positive social change? Is it the same as theirs? I, mine's not. That's always so an important question. Say? That's always an important yeah, question. Absolutely. And, and, and like uh, in the montage, I think well, there was a woman's voice that said, just play hockey. Okay. That's what this is about. It's a football league. It's a hockey league. It's a basketball league. Where do they have the nerve to use this as a social platform to manipulate society. Who owns these teams in these leagues, Ryan? The global elitists. I'm not saying the East Coast Hockey League is owned by a global elitist or some of those knucklehead owners because I worked in minor league professional sports for a lot of years. But certainly the NFL, those are all billionaires. They're all in the good old boys network well, nobody right? nobody ever questions like if you if i don't want to do this but if people want to break down everything by skin color and religion and gender and all this if you break down the national football league and and, and i might debate you on that i might i think the nba might be equal or more so than the nfl on this issue but i mean if you break down the nfl i know for sure because i did the research into it one time I, my friend mike and i did a show on this years ago the nfl is owned like the teams are owned exclusively uh, or at the time by white people and largely and we found out that they don't classify themselves as white because they're actually Jewish. And we, we wondered, like, how can so many people that own the NFL be Jewish and white? And nobody points that out. But they're they're wondering instead why there aren't enough black coaches like nobody's questioning why all right. the owners are white. That's OK right. if you're to be to, to own literally to own a team of black people that, you know, yeah, look, at at an absolute level that is significant, this is just another way to divide and conquer. It's simply put, just like you said, hey, we're all here as hockey fans. We're all here rooting for the Tampa Bay Lightning or whatever team it is, which even in and of itself, all sports create division because you have fan bases rooting against other fan bases, so to speak. Okay. They don't all just get into the stadium and say, we're going to watch a good football game or a good hockey game. Whoever wins wins. No, no, no. You know, you got fights in the stands sometimes. I mean, go to an Oakland Raiders game you know, <laughs> back in the day. I've seen, you know, I've seen bloodied if you had a Pittsburgh Steeler cap on, I mean, they literally would attack you in the parking lot and you could have said nothing to them minding your own business. So Jack, Jack I saw, I saw a Pittsburgh penguin fan attack a lightning fan at a, at a hockey game in Tampa one time. This, but they were both drunk. This guy like took his shirt off big beer gut 
just started well <laughs> he, he went after this this lightning fan and then the lightning crowd gathers around they're pulling the guy off security comes yeah absolutely but at the same time you know that tribalism can also be a positive thing like like wes was saying earlier you know you you i mean the, and i'm going to play this clip for you here in a second the nhl this what used to be their brand you know, you play, you play hard. It's a, it's a team effort. It's community based. And at the end of the day, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And sometimes you get your ass handed to you and that should make you a better player. That shouldn't make you a victim. You know, coach, they scored too many goals. Tell them to stop scoring goals. You know, that, that hit was really hard. Can next time the hit not be as hard? Can, Can you not skate so fast? You know, that's, what this advocates for ultimately. And that's not how the NHL or any sport should be. This, this is that whole giving everybody a trophy type of a thing. Right. Yeah. I would say don't have scoreboards. Don't keep score. Don't keep standings. (laughs) No playoffs. Because one team can't be better than another. Of course. Of course. Listen though. uh, I'm looking at the uh, NHL's website and uh, all of these um, given nights, um, that they're promoting, I have to laugh. Uh, and you've alluded to it numerous times already, but celebrating, they always have to use the word celebrate, celebrating black history, pride, celebrating gender equality, celebrating Asian and Pacific Islander heritage, celebrating Hispanic and Latin American heritage, celebrating indigenous people's heritage. Okay. What about celebrating? I mean, that in and of itself is not equality and inclusivity because why don't they have Caucasian celebrating Caucasian heritage? Why don't they have celebrating heterosexual night? Uh huh. How about just celebrating men or celebrating women? How about like uh, how about like everything? S- it's identifying, and, it, and again, it creates more division because now it's pitting one group against the next. This is not about marketing, by the way. This is absolutely part of the agenda. But you see, I wouldn't be the first one to ever say that. Where you have all these, you know, uh, different, you know, Hispanic nights and, and whatnot. I mean, people have said that for years. But why? Why there shouldn't there be a Caucasian night then? They've got every other possible heritage covered. Uh, what about celebrating heterosexual night? If they're going to celebrate pride then why can't they celebrate heterosexual this, night? This, Don't you think that that's um, discrimination, Ryan? I agree with you, and I'm not agreeing with you to be um, to in a hyperbolic way. I, I sincerely, honestly agree with you. I've said this before as well. And I think if you're, if you're going to do that, then, I mean, the NHL, there's a lot of Slavics that, uh, Slavs that play in the NHL have a Slavic appreciation. Have, I mean, hell, have a Canadian appreciation how, night. How about, how about Polak night? Have a night for everybody or don't have a night for anybody or maybe maybe just make make the NHL about, well, what it's supposed to be. Hockey is for everyone. I'm cool with that statement. They've said that for for years. Yeah. Leave it at that. I mean, listen, I'm going to play you this clip. Even that's bullshit. Because hockey isn't for everyone. Well, you People know what? That is interest in different likes and different ways to spend their money and time. So why would you even have to promote that? I mean, really? 
on the surface, like, yeah, hockey is for everybody, but that's an obvious statement. Like anybody wants to play, you can play, but you, you, you know, if you don't have the money or you don't have the skill, you know, you're probably not going to make it very far. So yeah, not everybody is going to be able to make it to where they want to make it or make it to the NHL. Like, yeah, but uh, and it's understandable if they want to use a term like that. So we, we, we should talk about that in the next segment. This clip I want to play you, Jack, is an, is a, is an NHL brand TV ad. And if you listen to this, this is like what the NHL has always been about. And this should make everybody, Phil, included. We'll never deny that hockey is a sport. One team gets to win, the other has to lose. But look beyond the scoreboard and you begin to see that maybe there's a little more to it. One minute, it refuses to let you blink. Then the next, all you can do is scream. And what happens in a half second can stay with you the rest of your life. It's the thing an eight-time all-star and an eight-year-old kid have in common. Worn on sleeves and written on faces. Upheld repeatedly, shift after shift. Hockey is why a man spends his entire life chasing 35 pounds of silver and why millions come out to celebrate it. It's not always rational, but somehow it binds together everybody on one side of the glass to all of us on the other, making an impact far beyond the ice, where what matters has nothing to do with stats or standings, and a handshake can be everything you need to say. So you wouldn't be wrong to call hockey a sport. But while it begins as something you watch, what it becomes is something you feel. To me, that is well-written, makes perfect sense, and it includes everybody. I disagree. What puke that was. Little piano in the background. You don't think you don't think that that you don't think that that but you don't think but this is an older advertisement. You don't think that that includes everybody. They don't need to say black and Hispanic and gender and this and that. Yeah, from from that standpoint, yes. But I thought it was cheesy. And by the way, it's incredibly cheesy. It's definitely cheesy. But um, my point in playing that is that that used to be the way of getting people excited and understanding what hockey is. And that used to be the branding of hockey. And now that's, that's changed. Like it used to be inclusive. Now it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it always used to be the little underdog, a little, you know, so-and-so fought all the odds and was never drafted and made the team and broke his leg in a car accident and still came back and won the Stanley cup. You know, I mean, it's but it has to be a relatively new, um, commercial promotion there because they talked about somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. Not true. If this was done 20, 30 years ago, it could, the game could have ended in a tie. (laughs) (laughs) So man, I tell you what, um, uh, do you get why, do you get, do you get what I mean about that advertisement in comparison with these other things that we've been talking about? Well, sure. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't once again it it was all inclusive that was just like anyone all right but they have to label these different groups now you know certainly um, yeah and these are the people that identify and it's the victimhood and listen the way I look at it is uh, this lady Kim Davis the executive vice president mm-hmm. 
she's misguided. Okay. Listen to what those, what she said in those sound bites, gobbledygook. I mean, it was what, 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 what does that mean? It sounded like a script written by Klaus Schwab. Uh, listen, what they're, what they're doing is, uh, it's fake caring. Okay. We're supposed to care. We're supposed to be compassionate. We're supposed to welcome everyone. But it's, we got to take a break here in a second, Jack, about sure. 30 seconds. Okay. It, what that stuff is, it's feel good. It's not tangible. Look at how people in society treat one another, treat each other. You know, I mean, people treat each other horribly across the board so they can feel good about doing all this thing to promote gay pride and blah, blah, blah. They can... They couldn't care less. Well, that's really. so. That's the it's reason part of I. The agenda. That's the reason I played that NHL branding ad because it's cheesy, you know, as it is, and that just makes you want to puke because it's a cheesy little advertisement. Um, that is inclusivity, and what they're doing now yes. is faux caring and faux concern for people who are different than the perceived majority of any particular area or sport, etc. This is and, fake. That as cheesy yes, as it was was at least fake. was was at least real. Uh, yeah. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Second period. Where 
their players dash with skates of flash. The home team trails behind, but they grab the puck and go bursting up, and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a one-one hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Third period, last game in the playoffs too. Oh, take me where the hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. I'm Ryan Gable. Of a hockey stick and a one gigantic screen. And you're listening to the secret teachings. The home team wins. The good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. I won't sing anymore because I, I can't sing that well. We had uh, Wes from Conspirifact on in the first hour with us. Second hour tonight, my good friend Jack is joining us. He actually worked in professional sports. Uh, I've been a huge hockey fan since, say, 2002, mid-2002. Watched the Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, win the Stanley Cup in 2004. That famous Dave Mishkin call, it's over, it's over. Used to have that as a a text message notification on my phone at one point. Uh, But I love hockey, ECHL, AHL, college hockey. Can't really watch that anywhere. High school hockey, can't really watch that anywhere either. But I've been to high school hockey, been to ECHL, been to one AHL game, been to so many NHL games I can't count, playoff games. I actually have a big gray tote of uh, hockey stuff I've got. For those of you who aren't hockey fans, you you know, this might not be as interesting to you, but I've got like... Uh, I've got, you know, tons of autographs. I've got, you know, old hockey jerseys, uh, probably some stuff that's even worth some money. Uh, old Stanley Cup playoff tickets, hockey tickets. I've got like just this whole big crate of things that I don't own a lot of stuff, but that crate is like my whole childhood. <laughs> it's just mostly hockey stuff, newspaper clippings, you know, stuff they'd give away in Tampa, you know, at different places when the lightning were in the playoffs back in 2004. So I say all that because I'm a, I'm a huge hockey fan. Like I, I'm, I mean, on the radio, I get fired up. Uh, when I'm off radio, I can get fired up, but I'm, I'm usually a lot quieter, uh, depending on the scenario, the situation where I'm at. But when I'm at a hockey game, I get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that I, I used to bring the sign when I was a kid, the goal sign. Never had a hat or a helmet with one of those red lights on it, but I bring the goal sign. Um, Never could really afford to set on the glass because that you know it's very expensive most places. But you know I'd beat on the glass. I did set on the glass a few times at the Idaho Steelhead games that I went to. But like I'm big into hockey, and hockey has always been community teamwork, and you work your butt off. And at the end of the day, guess what happens? Um, statistically, you're probably still going to lose because only one team is going to get to raise the Stanley Cup. Only one team gets to win the championship. You know, obviously in the NFL, only one team gets to raise the, you know, what is it, the Lombardi trophy. But, you know, everybody, you know, uh, everybody in the NFL uh, kind of has, uh, you know, the NFL in general kind of has a uh, different uh, take on community organizing than the NHL, which, again, I've always seen as much more community-based and give a, a hell of a lot more, you know, money and resources and trying to help people, um, you know, kids that are disadvantaged or kids that want to try hockey and 
It's never been broken down among racial or sexual or any other kind of lines until the NHL recently says that they're taking a stand against bigotry and they've analyzed their workforce to see how many gay people and straight people and women, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. It turns out it's actually quite statistically accurate in alignment and parallel with the population of the country, (laughs) which you would imagine um, would be the case if you were hiring people based on merit and based on interest. That'd make a lot of sense why you would hire people who aren't interested just because of, you know, pigmentation. And that's part of the reason Disney sucks so much now because they don't have anybody talented working there. And that's uh, factual, but that's also partly my opinion. Uh, anyway, the point is, I love hockey. Always enjoyed um, all kinds of hockey. I just don't really understand why the NHL is doing this until I realized, wait a minute, back, and this is what confuses me, back in like when that Colin Kaepernick stuff was happening, my good friend Jack is here with us as a co-host. That Colin Kaepernick stuff was happening, Jack, and the kneeling down and the fist in the air and all that. I remember the NHL was pretty strict. Uh, they said, don't do that uh, or you will get suspended or fined or whatever. And I think that was for image. And I think maybe the NHL, the people that ran it actually, you know, really believe that. Like, we're not about that. Don't make a political statement. We already have a hard time getting people to watch the, watch these games anyway. So don't make a political statement that could further divide, you know, the potential audience that brings in money and all this. And I think that they're doing the same thing here, except they're appealing to a much smaller demographic. So it might be that they want to appear as if they care, but the NHL seems to have always cared. Hockey fans and people have always seemed to have cared. Now it seems fake. Now it seems artificial. And now it seems like they're targeting tiny percentages of the population. Like if you're it's if you want to have a trans hockey league, fine, great. I go to a game. But if you're gonna make it all about trans hockey, which trans people in general make up less than one percent of the population globally, and I mean actual trans people, not people that just claim they're trans, then you got a you got a weird situation. Like you're focusing all your attention on less than one percent and you're not focusing your attention on the percentage of people that actually naturally like your sport, regardless of, you know, racial and gender and sexual and all these other issues. So to me, that that's my issue, Jack, go ahead. Well, look, if, if, okay, if this was actual marketing to try to generate a larger fan base, let's just say, first, first of all, the, the reason probably the, one of the biggest reasons that the NH and excuse me, NFL makes, uh, well, last I heard it was a a nine or $11 billion industry. A lot of that has to do with the money they receive from television. Okay. Now we know that the NHL does not have the mass appeal that NFL does, nor do they have the TV ratings. So if the NF NHL, was so stupid to try to build their fan base and get more people to watch so they could get more money from the networks, what they're trying to then theoretically, they would be doing just exactly what you mentioned, trying to increase their fan base via obscure target markets at the same time to some degree alienating their current fan base. 
because there's a lot of people that that find this to be very strange or would be offended by it. I mean, when that one lady on the montage says, uh, the black lady that goes to hockey games and they say that it's about feeling, and the one uh, Kim Davis said, it's about feeling safe and welcoming. She was uh, going to be lonely. It, it was kind of lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says it was lonely. It's lonely being a fan. You go in and you're worried about being lonely. Like, oh my God, I'm the only five foot six guy here with blue eyes. I feel lonely. No, that's a great point because if if you go to like I, I've been to so many Tampa Bay Lightning games. I know it's like eighteen, nineteen, five. It's like eighteen thousand five hundred, nineteen thousand people can fit into that stadium is like the number I think officially. And so if you go to that game, like let's just assume all the 19,000 fans were lightning fans, which, you know, it's not practical anywhere. There's going to have other fans there, but let's say they were all lightning fans. Like of all places, regardless of if you're black or white, if you're going to the game because you're a lightning fan or a (laughs) hockey fan, you literally have a place where night, where 18,900 people, they all, they all think the same thing. Yes, you're like-minded. You both have lightning jerseys on. Isn't that cool? You both, hey, how many times have you done this? I've been to hockey games with you. How many times uh, does it uh, bring people together from a standpoint that they'll high-five the people sitting around them? They don't yes. know who they are. Yes. doesn't matter what they look like. Or who, if they're rooting for the same team, doesn't it bring you together and unite you? Yes, absolutely. High-fiving, jumping up and down hugging each other because your team just won. And even, even if it's the other team, like you might not get along, they might be super tribal, but you know, one thing about them that you have in common, you both like hockey, (laughs) right? Or football or whatever whatever it is. Remember, remember that game I told you I went to, I I don't remember who they played. I want to say it was like, um, uh, it was, they, they had red jerseys on. I forget the name of the team, but they played the, the, the steelheads. And I don't think you went to this game with me, but at the end of the game, I gave like an actual like standing ovation to the opposing goaltender because this guy stopped like 58 pucks. And it was these were, you know, this was a pretty good game. It was were good shots. These weren't just like little chip shots. He stopped them like this was this guy played on it on his head, as they say. And I remember like I was like I clapped for this guy when they announced him as the first star. Um, And I remember I got like these really nasty looks from other steelhead fans because i have my steelhead jersey on but i'm clapping because they're like and you know with 58 saves it's a record so and so and i'm like holy hell i mean 58 number one star (laughs) of the game i don't think i could stop half that (laughs) 58 that's that's fantastic you like does not compute does not compute has a steelhead's jersey on clapping for the other team i went because i liked hockey i mean yeah i like the steelheads because I, I i lived there in boise but you know i didn't have anything against the other team and the other team put on a good performance it's like that deserves a round of applause and i don't even know what the guy looked well, like he could have been black i don't care what he looks like the guy stood in his head for three periods try try just watching different games um whatever sport whether it's football baseball and just watch without any uh, bias and just watch and enjoy the sport, like, wow, that guy's really freaking good, right? I mean, I hate the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> but they got a receiver by the name of Justin Jefferson. The guy is freaking phenomenal. It's, he's a pleasure to watch, but guess what? Just because he's wearing purple, I'm going to hate that guy. No, I will also say this. 
in these sports, minor league level or the major league level, when they're told to put on their pink uniforms or their multicolored uniforms. Yeah, they do the hockey night, uh, the right. cancer, they're cancer being night a lot. Yeah, they're manipulated. Well, there, there were NFL, I remember NFL players, um, I don't follow the NFL at all, but I remember NFL players that said they were not going to, this was years ago, they were not, it was one guy in particular, he's like, I'm not going to wear that, there's pink shoes, I'm not going to wear that pink ribbon, and he got torn apart, oh, you want women to die of cancer, and he's like, no, I just don't, I don't support a cause like that, because uh, there are other ways to deal with cancer. Hey, listen, what, what, uh, once again, inversion, how uh, ironic this is, how hypocritical it is, it's okay for the NFL or the NHL to use their sport and their business as a platform for social change. But if one of the players doesn't uses the vehicle, uses that platform to articulate his or her feelings, then they're, 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 they're uh, ridiculed. Right there, they could be fined. They, they get could suspended, lose their like job. like Kyrie Irving. You yeah. get suspended. You yeah, get right, laughed at, mocked, right. screamed right. at. Right. So shouldn't they have the right if they're free to say, "Nah, I'm not going to wear that uniform." You know, sit me out on this one or whatever. But they and and as far as Kaepernick, people say, "Well, that's not his place. He shouldn't, you know, be using that format and on the bench to not stand up or whatever." Why not? Look what look what the the owners do every game. You know, jets flying over to promote the military. Big banners all over the stadium. You know about breast cancer. But if one of the individuals stands up and uses it as his notoriety and his celebrity, uh, which came from that particular sport to articulate a position, oh no, that's frowned upon. Yeah, I think that. Uh I mean, the NFL, there are a lot of really good examples in the NFL. I was thinking of the the breast cancer awareness, the Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you think of Kyrie Irving in the NBA recently. Uh, the NHL also, you know, they, they didn't like uh, the Colin Kaepernick stuff. And they, you know, they had told their players, don't do this. Uh, recently. Yeah, I would, we, I would say that, by the way, on that, I was going to mention this. Uh, the N the NFL took a pretty big hit. That turned a lot. Well, they did. They lost. Off. They lost. They lost a they lot lost of viewership. A lot of fans and, and fans and money and everything else. And that's probably why the NHL took that stance because they yes. couldn't afford to lose what fan base they have. Yes, and and now because it maybe it maybe a lot of this is subsidized or something else is happening here. Maybe they've been advised that this is the best thing to do by some I don't know some social media experts or some lawyers or some groups or maybe there's threats. I don't know, uh, but this is not the best way to go about of all fans NHL hockey fans. It's not the best way to go about trying to appease them and, and get more people to come into hockey. So, but I was what I was going to say is. Uh, we saw this at the World Cup as well, where we had FIFA tell their players, um, you're not going to wear rainbow flags. Uh, you're not going to promote this in um, the World Cup because of the host country. Uh, they don't they don't like that. And whether you agree with the host country, uh, whether you agree with what is it they play where they play in Qatar um, is irrelevant right. because they're I mean, if, if we're going to if we're going to respect you know, if you went, if it was in Japan or if it was in the United States or wherever it was, you'd, you'd have to respect the laws of that country and you'd have to, whether you agree with them or not. And that, that, that should be how it is. So whether you agree with uh, Qatar or Saudi Arabia or any place over there, doesn't, doesn't, shouldn't matter uh, because they're the host country. 
you know that they're the host country way ahead of time um, and they don't want people making these kinds of displays. And, you know, uh, for for what it's worth, I agree with them. I And I don't think that it should yeah. have anything to do with how they feel about gay people. I think that it shouldn't be a platform to promote political ideologies. It yeah, should just be a sport. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're a guest in somebody's home, if you're a polite guest, you don't go in there and start ripping on them if they have certain beliefs or the way they de- had their house decorated or whatever. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of the same thing. Hey, real quick. Um, well, hold, hold, on, things- hold, hold on. A, hold okay. on a second, because I got another point here. Uh, the, the other thing about this is, I don't know if you saw this, that the Iranian team that played the U.S., the Iranian team, we always talk about how all oh, the U.S. is so evil and it's so patriarchal and it's so corrupt and well, the Iranian team was told because they didn't sing the Iranian anthem that the government was going to target them and their families and do really bad stuff to them if they didn't sing the anthem. So then they sang the anthem kind of just like barely moving their lips. <laughs> so it's like you. So those countries yeah. are good, but America's bad. Like they literally threatened basically to kill the families of the players if they didn't sing the national anthem, but yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. America's the I, bad country. I, I think Soviet, uh, Soviet hockey players and stuff, man, Ooh. they, they came under huge scrutiny when they oh, lost yeah. the, uh, oh, yeah. the gold medal in 1980, the U S they, they probably got in some real hot water too. Cause they let down yeah. the Kremlin, you know, but uh, a couple things, um, one is I was looking at this link that you sent me with the New York City Gay Hockey Association. Yes, yes. And uh, for over 20 years, we have provided an environment free of harassment and discrimination for members and friends of the LGBTQ plus community to play ice hockey and fulfill their athletic aspirations. Well, once again, isn't that discrimination? What if I wanted to play in that league? Uh, if I'm not gay, but I wanted to play in that league, let's say I had some friends that are gay. Well, you can't be in here because you're, I mean, I don't know how they qualify, uh, you know, uh, that you're gay so you can join and play in the hockey association there. But once again, it's, um, that's discrimination. I, I, I could see it both ways. I like, I don't care that there's a New York city gay right. hockey association. I just don't understand why, like if we're going to have these kinds of things, we're going to have these kinds of discussions, well, then we should also separate, right. keep men and women separate because they're two different. Like you, uh, you can't put a six foot five, 250 pound linebacker type guy in skates and have him skate it. They, they skate about 40 miles an hour, skate at 40 miles an hour and hit a, I don't know, a 105 pound woman, at full force, it'll, it'll literally probably kill her. That's just, that's but a fact of reality. It, it comes back to the root of it is supposedly these people love to play hockey. If I love to play hockey, I couldn't care less. Like you've said before in the show, I couldn't care less who I'm playing against. You know, they like hockey. I like hockey. And so let's play hockey. I don't care what your sexual preference is. What bearing does that you know, have? And for, for that for that matter, Jack, I mean, I might be different than most guys. When I played basketball, I didn't take showers with other in front of other guys. I was very private. I didn't want to, you know, after a basketball game, I didn't want to get undressed in front of other people. I don't care if they're guys. I don't care if they're girls. I don't care if you're gay or trans. I want, personally, I just want privacy. And that's me, like around other guys. I've got I've got a penis. 
Okay. Other men have penises. I don't want to be in a room naked with other guys. It's not a gay thing. It's just like, I don't want to change in front of other people because that's just who I am. So I can't imagine how a woman might feel in a situation where you have a biological man claiming to be a woman. Maybe they truly feel that way and being able to change in front of them or watch them change and compete with them. Like, how, how does that make a woman feel? I thought we were supposed to listen and ask women what they thought and, li- and believe them regardless. But that seems to have changed pretty rapidly. In fact, I just had, you know, I just had a guy tell me the other day, um, two days ago, he, he sent me a message on Twitter about something about abortion because I said, I know some women who actually, you know, they disagree with I know, tons of women who disagree with like the abortion at all costs under all circumstances, anytime on demand. And he said, well, I felt sorry for those women because those women, they they basically don't have control over their own bodies. And I said that they don't have control of their own bodies because they disagree with abortion on demand. It's, it's like it sounds like you're telling those women what to think. And, and that's what I think is happening here. It's like mankind, right? Mankind's everybody. But people say, well, that doesn't include women. Well, actually, it does. You're the bigot for suggesting that the word mankind, which means all people, doesn't include women. So you're suggesting and implying that women are not people. This is really, really sick and disgusted and really deep psychological stuff. And they they cover it up with rainbows and smiley faces because that's what George Carlin said. You love George Carlin. I love George Carlin. George Carlin once said, he said, when fascism comes to America, it's going to come with a smiley face T-shirt. And that's exactly what it is. It it is absolutely mind control. It's it's psychological warfare. And this is an agenda. And for whatever reason, the NHL has jumped on board with it, um, wanting to make people feel guilty too. Oh you yeah, feel oh, guilty yeah. if you if you're against this group or that group or if that person has a dead eye, you know, a lazy <laughs> eye. There was a, <laughs> I saw I saw George Carlin multiple times in person, and he did this joke about the you know guy having a lazy eye, and you know. It's very self-conscious, like, well, I tried to be polite and not look at him, but then I thought that's not right either, and I didn't know which eye to look into, you know. But I want to make one other point, too, from something that you said earlier about community and hockey and all that and, and giving money away so that the uh, underprivileged can afford to play hockey. And you're right, it's very expensive. Mostly all of these youth sports leagues are really expensive now, whether it's football, lacrosse equipment is expensive, Football equipment is expensive, plus the fees to play in the league for the parents, and certainly hockey. Um, but make mo- make no mistake about it: these owners of these teams do not open their checkbook and write personal checks for that kind of stuff. As I've alluded to before, when I've been on with you in the past, you know what they'll do is they they will. Um, they they will do a fundraiser like you know as a hockey fan they have the chuck a puck promotion yeah, right yeah 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 but it's like, hey hit this little spot that we put in the middle of the ice there and you get to chuck these plastic or these rubber pucks and if you hit it then you split the pot or whatever then they take that money and they'll give half of it or something to charity um, but what do they do with the other half they keep it professional sports uh, it's pretty much any sport have the vehicle to uh, help 
do fundraising. For example, when I was in ticket sales, we'd have group sales and a group might buy 500 tickets and we'd give them a discounted price. Mm-hmm. Instead of a $10 ticket, they'd only pay five and they'd make $5 per ticket for their school choir or the church or whatever it might be. So we're, we were losing out theoretically. Okay. We could have maybe charged 10 bucks, but we wouldn't have sold 500 tickets. So you could say that money was coming out of the coffers and coming out of the owner's pockets, but there was always a way we could manipulate it where it really wasn't costing us or the sponsors, you know, the sponsors for every uh, goal score, they'll donate a hundred dollars, you know? Okay. Well that makes the team look good, but that's, that's not money taken away from their bottom line. Like you, you allude, you said that, you know, every game they'd be handing out checks for $50,000 to this kid. No, 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 that does not happen. Well, the, well, they give the money. Well, they do give the money away in Tampa. It was the guy's name Vinick. I doubt that it's coming out of his personal bank account, but they do give the money away to whatever these groups are. I think it's after the second period of every, every game, second, uh, yeah. second intermission. But, you know, yeah. I, I agree. And I mean, a lot of this is a lot of this is, in fact, almost all of it's based on money, wherever the money is coming from. If, if the money was there to promote, um, uh, I don't know, something like uh, families, then that's what they would be promoting. If that's where the money was coming from, the money's there to promote rainbows. That's where the money, you know, money's going. That's where the energy and that's where the rainbow is going to go. It's because that's where the money's going. Um, but, but And I wanted to mention that when I worked at that grocery store in Rochester, New York, just ugh, give me cringes to even think about going back to that city. I was, I was at one of the meetings. We had these, you know, meetings once a month and they did something similar to what the NHL is doing. I just remembered it. Uh, luckily right before the end of the show here where we had this woman, um, kind of the marketing director, Jack, I don't know if I told you this and she's showing us the graphic of like, well, we've got X many number of people that shop here. You know, I understand breaking it down by like, you know, men and women and, you know, people from that yeah. side of town. This, I, I, I get that. Cause yeah. that, that could be, potentially practical and helping you to understand your your base. If you have a high percentage of Hispanic, you're going to stock the store with certain type of items that they use in their cooking, for example. Well, absolutely. If you're in Asia, if you're in Asian town, you know, Korean town, uh, Vietnamese town, wherever, uh, you're not stocking the shelf with tortillas, generally speaking. Right. Right. So, and you, probably want to make sure you have plenty of rice on the shelves. Yeah. And that's not a racial thing. Like I like, I like rice. It's just, it's a cultural thing. So, um, I remember real quick and we were almost out of time, but I remember them showing us the graphic and saying, okay, we need to do more to get more black people to shop here. And I'm like, I'm, I wasn't really listening. I was paying attention. I perked up and I was thinking more black people to shop here. And they said like, well, our location and where we are and how we can do this or that. And you know, black people generally can't afford to shop here. So we need to make them realize that they can't afford to shop. I thought that is so racist. What do you mean? Black people can't afford to shop here. You're assuming all black people are poor. Like a third of our customer base is black. We're, we're in the heart of Rochester. It's a primarily black city. We already have. Why are you trying to focus on poor black people? They don't want to shop at a co-op anyway. You know, poor white people, rich white people. Not everybody wants to shop at a co-op. It's a very specific kind of store. I thought that was so racist. It was so well, and disgusting. And we're, that, out, we're that, about out of time. So go ahead. One last comment. That, that study the NHL did about how many women work there, men or whatever. That's fine. But the fact that they went into their sexuality and who would tell? Yeah. Them? Yeah. Well, if exactly. They a survey out amongst the employees or something. I went, this is none of your freaking business. The nerve. So where that came from is that's over the top. I want to play real quick because I said I was going to play at the Bucks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach talking about this problem. 
I'll bring up the music and we are out of time. What is your relationship with the black coaches in the league? They ask the black coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, We don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start, stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. I think that really is the the best well uh, the, the the best way that you can handle those kinds of questions. I think that really sums it up. Jack, what, thanks so much for joining us. Was that Tony Dungy or who was that? No, no that was Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Oh, yeah. okay, the current. The current yeah, the coach. current okay, coach. Gotcha. Yeah, that was okay. recent. Hey, th- thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Bye, Ryan. All right, bye, Jack. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. Triple W dot the Secret Teachings dot info. Subscribe to our archive, grab a copy of one of my books. Otherwise, listen to the show for free on any radio podcast player. You have to listen to those advertisements for free, though. That does support the show. Gable at yahoo.com, TST radio at protonmail.com. It's the good old hockey game. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we're off the air. Talk to you in the next broadcast. The whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores. It's the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Where players dash with skates of flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up, and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them.